Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everybody, this is Lou Nash. And this is Ella Gordon-Latty. And together we welcome you to the redesign of everything. Where we will be talking to the global changemakers, the designers and the practitioners who are helping to redesign a better future for us all. We'll be giving you not only the inspiration, but also the tools to redesign your world for the better. Design is the single most important force in building a thriving future for us all. A future that's more regenerative, more resilient and more circular by design. So let's share these stories and insights gleaned from our guests at the front line of this transformation. Thank you for being here and for listening, because together we really can redesign everything. This is a very special episode. It's our first episode. And to kick it off, we really wanted to introduce ourselves and more importantly, the story of circularity. So we thought, who better to share the story than the Redesign of Everything co-host, Lou Nash, who's the CEO and founder of Circularity. And who better to interview her than myself, Lou's co-host. So for this special episode, Lou is going to be in the hot seat to introduce us to the circular economy, circularity, and the redesign of everything. So Lou, welcome to your show. Thanks, Ella. I definitely feel in the hot seat. It's good. It helps me build empathy with our future guests, right? Exactly. It's what it's all about. What does the redesign of everything mean to you? You know, like obviously I was part of the creation of the name of the show. So, you know, it gets me, it gets me really pumped, really excited because it's an innovation opportunity, right? It's like, oh my God, you know, we get to redesign everything. That's so good. I'm going to be really busy. I'm going to do some really cool work. At its, at its heart, the redesign of everything for me means designing with nature, not against it. And I think about the environmental degradation we've seen, you know, God, definitely in, in my lifetime, I think about how we design that out. And by designing that out means you go back to all those elements that are, that are creating the waste and you think about how can I design that in line with the way nature works where there is no waste? Mm. How do I build and create those systems and products with that in mind? And and I think if, if that becomes at the essence of the redesign everything, then we too will have no waste in our economy just as there is no waste in nature. Mm. And what I'd love to do as well is to take you back to the start, start of your life, start of your journey, <laughs> and, and tell us about how you went from, you know, growing up where you did grow up to founding Circularity. Because for me, that is, when I first met you, was an incredibly compelling journey and something that is, still inspires me to this day. And I would like to share it with our, with our <laughs> listeners too. Yeah, so we're going way back. We're going way back. So I, I grew up in New Zealand and I grew up, um, you know, it's kind of the first place I came out of the hospital was to a street called Convoy Lane in Otahu. It's still there now. At the time, it was one of um, the country's first earlier sort of, I guess you call it an urban food basket, right? So everyone sort of had an acre. The return servicemen had a chance to buy the land. And on this sort of almost peninsula with one road running through it, everyone grew their own food. They sold it to the markets. And that was the first place where I went back. And so I sort of grew up on land with, you know, a peacock running around and a baby lamb and, you know, some tomatoes. But that idea of like monoculture didn't even exist back then. You know, it was the idea of just abundance 
and growth and working on the land and community and working together. You know, and my grandparents were always around me, you know, so my my parents, when they got married, moved in with my father's parents. So I was always sort of just grew up with these kind of kamatua, I guess, around us, showing us the way. But also this this real economic nature of working with the land that mm. that, you know, my family still works with this idea of you know, how do we work with this? How do we create a livelihood? How do we do this? Real heartland, middle New Zealand. Um, and I think that essence of kind of entrepreneurship and working with people and the work, you know, I've, mm. I've always had a kind of a, a love of the work, whatever it was, but with a strong connection into, yeah, working with nature. And tell me about growing up and then heading into university. What was what was guiding your path then? And was there anything that was occurring then that could have predicted where you were heading now? Yeah, I was the oldest um, in the, in the family. Um, I ended up having a younger sister, and I just got totally like older sibling leadership role stuff kind of built into me. Like I will succeed, you know, and um, and I was the first one in my family to go to university. And I don't know what it, whether it was whether it was the TV shows that we watched at that time, or you know, this idea of you know, having a really professional role that had really big impact. So I actually kind of took a little bit of a, a, a kind of a direction towards the law and studying economics at university. But but that idea of how things work and how I could have a really big impact with it. Off to university, did that, and then sort of just landed on my feet in a couple of roles in the advertising industry. And that gave me huge insight into brands, gave me huge insight into business, but also the idea of kind of working with creative problem solving and, you know, working really hard. And so, yeah, I worked in advertising industries and advising brands for, you know, a good kind of 20 years, good Mm. chunk of my careers, traveled the world with it, worked in Canada with Walt Disney, um, worked in Australia and, and worked here in New Zealand with some, you know, beautiful, the biggest, beautiful, brightest brands in the world. And I, I feel very fortunate to have a career over it, but, you know, probably like, a lot of us, you know, a few years ago when I was advising, you know, these brands and looking at future trends and kind of saying this is the, the sentiment of people and these are the things that these brands and businesses can get involved with, I just realised we had a fundamental issue in the whole system of how these businesses were created. And, you know, the, for me, the writing writing was on the wall of those kind of systems, you know, what I now call the linear system where mm. these, enti- you know, massive, massive global businesses were built on the idea of taking from the earth and resources, making things and then having everything go in the bin within a year. For me, the amount of resource, not only of of the earth that's gone into that, but also human toil and human endeavour, like we're here to just do that and it all ends up in the bin. It's just crazy. I, you know, I couldn't do it. And so I, you know, I tried reversing that system from the inside out. No always kind of had that idea of just stay in the system, you know, you'll, mm. you'll design it out from, from within. But then I, you know, I really got to the point where I thought I've really honed my skills around creative problem solving and being able to communicate and storytelling but I want to. I want some new tools. The tools I've got at the moment to try and create change within those systems are not working. I can't mm. get these. Pe- I can't get these businesses and brands to change. So I went off and did a bit of a bit more study to find out how. Can you tell me about the first time you learnt about the circular economy and what <laughs> happened next? Yeah, it's such a good question. I really felt like I just kept going. I have this thing, this method that I do, which I call kind of like the seven whys. I really, I knew that there were some answers out there. Like I looked at where the energy was in the world and thought about startup and innovation and human potential 
And I'd been through the digital transformation, you mm. know, so the entire media industry had been completely transformed. So I'm like, there's a lot of good in here. How do we, how do we make some of that stuff be part of this problem solving piece over here with, you know, economic growth causes environmental degradation? How do we kind of tap into that stuff? So I really went into this master's going, how do I decouple that? What's the answers? And so then I fell into waste because waste is a byproduct of that problem. And then I think it might have been like an Alan MacArthur website, but very closely followed by IDEO's Circular Design Guide. And it was just like, poof. when something lands in front of you that you're like, God, it's just so simple. We've got to stop doing that, take, make waste, and we've just got to bring it back in mm. and keep it moving. And then to learn that that's how nature designs everything. Mm. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's the answer. So for any listeners that aren't familiar with the circular economy, one way to define it is an economic system aimed at eliminating waste and the continual use of resources, focused on kind of three principles, designing out waste from the beginning, keeping materials in flow, and regenerating the environments in which we work in. What happened after that? I first heard about the circular economy when I was studying this concept of waste and how to solve it as part of a Masters of Tech Futures. And, you know, it just a light bulb went off. This idea that it's the economy should not be linear as it is, take, make, waste. It should be circular. You know, we should bring everything back and, and remake things. Um, and the idea that there's no waste in nature and it's all based on that principle, yeah, massive light bulb moment. So it's it's really interesting because so many people, you know, might come to a point in their career where they go, actually, I'm going to shift gear, but don't do it. And so what was it like shifting gear? Was it overwhelming? How, how was that whole experience for you? Yeah. Oh, I'm going back. I'm feeling overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, she laughs. I just knew that this old way of working was not going to continue. Like I, I kind of called it the Kodak moment. And, and because we'd been through that digital transformation, knowing that one minute we're using CDs, the next minute music and movies is digital and it just looked completely different mm. I knew that this was another one of those moments so I knew I was in the right swim lane you know I'd always been a strategist I was always looking forward at what was coming and I knew if I got in that swim lane it would be okay but yeah without a doubt I just I just knew that this was all I could do I mm. just knew that it was mm. like even if I hadn't found the answer and started a business I think I would have gone on to do a PhD and just kept studying this concept it's big enough the problem of waste is big enough at Circularity, we help businesses unlock the circular economy opportunity. We're driven by the belief that together we can create a thriving economy within our planetary boundaries. This podcast has been designed to connect a community of passionate changemakers on a mission to achieve this. We would so appreciate if you could review and share this podcast. The more ears who hear it, the faster we can initiate the change. For more information on what we do here at Circularity, head to circularity.co.nz. So we know that once you left the Tech Futures Lab, you started Circularity. Can you tell us about that experience and what you were seeing out there and the, the kind of changing and shifting needs of organisations? Yeah, thanks, Ella. So I was in such a hurry, right? So yes, I pivoted. I needed a new career and fast. <laughs> I'll never forget like kind of the first five or six weeks after quitting my job and starting studying 
and uh, you know coming in home through the the front door and my husband just kind of gave me this certain look like oh my goodness what she's doing hurry up <laughs> and I was like I'm not sure what I'm going to do but I actually started circularity while still at the master's program I was only about three months in the nature of the master's program and why I really liked it over and above a PhD was that it had this great mix of kind of personal kind of study and, and, and looking at that, but also this kind of dragon's den mentality. So every kind of five or six weeks you had to get up in front of everyone and present your idea and your research and where you've landed. And I guess because I've had a business entrepreneur background, my idea was always, I'm going to start this thing, I'm going to start this business. Oh my goodness, I'm going to start a business that helps other businesses and that's how I can scale my impact because I know how to work with businesses. I know how to build empathy with the systems and products that they're working with. I've got this significant history and, and career of building brands. I know about all of that. And that's what we need to solve this problem. We need to create this counter world. All these other brands over on this other side that have managed to work with resources, who want to design their packaging to be better, who want to build their businesses with these new business models that don't create environmental degradation. So I'm going to help them do that. And so the, the, the idea of circularity, so it was kind of like, what does a new agency look like? It mm. looks like that. That's what a new agency does. It helps businesses become better. And I'd love for you to tell our listeners a bit about the work that gets done at Circularity. Yeah, so... As soon as I'd kind of worked out that concept and I'd done a really bad logo and presented it and <laughs> kind of cracked through, um, my feedback from my advisors was like, okay, cool, so how are you going to do that? And why don't you just start prototyping how you're going to do that and get clients straight away? And of course, that just appealed to me massively. I'm like, great, I get to do a master's and I get to launch a business and I get to have clients and I get to do it all at the same time. Amazing. So that's what I ended up doing. And I, I sat down with a couple of people that I, I you know, I trusted. And, you know, I, I this is probably one piece of advice I, I do give people that when you're in the early stages of developing an idea, particularly in a purpose space that's really connected to your why, is is have a few really trusted people that you can share your idea with that are, that are going to add to it, you know, rather than critique it. And so I, I, I asked a few people and said, who, you know, what businesses? It's in, and straight away, they said EcoStore. Mm. Uh, you know, they had a long history of working in this way. It was a founder-based business from, from Malcolm Rands. They had a really cool, young, dynamic team running the business. And, and that already leveled up their sustainability and they wanted to level it up even more. So I was starting from that base. So the first foundations of circularity services were tested and prototyped with real clients and EcoStore was the lead one. So so where we landed with that was when I went to EcoStore and I'm like, great, let's do circular economy with you. What do you need? And we were, they were like, well, we need a full day workshop with the entire business to embed circular economy thinking into every part of our business. So we need to build capability. Boom. First service. Mm. Right. We help businesses build capability and circular economy. It's not just about me coming in and doing it for them. It's about everybody in their business knowing how to do that, from the person that orders product and procurement all the way up to the person that sells it, all the way up to the CEO when they're making financial decisions around this stuff. So that was kind of the first core service that we established. And then once we'd embedded it and we ran these innovation workshops with them, and started exploring where they could go, 
we suddenly went, right, they've landed on an idea. Mm. They want to tackle plastic waste and the broken systems. And then we went, we need to redesign the system. How do we use design thinking to help solve them solve that and design that new system? Boom, next service. We're going to design, help businesses design the systems to design out waste and keep their materials in flow. And that's what we ended up supporting EcoStore with all the way through to their waste minimization application form. And now they're up and running. I think it's about 120 school, schools. And they're taking, you know, their bottles. Consumers are, are collecting them, sending them to schools. The schools get education material around circular economy. And then from those schools, those bottles get reverse logistic out and remade into another EcoStore bottle. And it's one of the first circular, you know, bottle return systems in the country. Amazing. And when you are completing these projects, where do you and the circularity team draw your inspiration from? Yeah, I mean, we're incredibly fortunate that there is a massive movement in circular economy in Europe and the Alan MacArthur Foundation, uh, you know, the leads on this. Um, so they not only develop the research um, and the proof points around circular economy and, and its impacts on jobs, its impact on reduction in carbon emissions, um, but also the value that comes out of it. Um, but equally, they bought on Design Heavyweight IDEO and they created the Circular Design Guide. So in the very early days when I was sort of looking at what tools and what innovation kind of frameworks would I work with, it was it was through IDEO, which is leaders in that space. And then we went on to design our own because that's what we were doing. We were prototyping and developing this toolkit. So those are probably my biggest, biggest inspirations. And I know that through your work, over and above some of the more technical circular economy parts of the work, what's different is the focus on storytelling. And I'd love to explore that a bit more with you. And, and why is storytelling such a critical element of bringing a business on a journey from linear to circular? A lot of this notion of we should design better, we shouldn't be creating environmental degradation. We know the science, the scientists have been talking about it for years. Why haven't we had the traction if you talk to a number of scientists about this, they talk about human behaviour and culture. Well, I knew how to shape and change that, and that's storytelling. That's the power of emotive, creative storytelling. So when I started working with these businesses and designing these systems and embedding this capability, then we got to the point, well, if you're that business, you then need to bring on board your stakeholders or other partners to help make that system work. So you have to go tell your story and you have to drive it from the why, you have to drive it from your purpose and your mission and you need to create huge momentum for it. And so the storytelling became a key element of how we accelerated the change, how we gave back businesses huge value for their brand so that they could, I guess, understand the return on that, if you like. And I, I see a lot of businesses now, you know, the Unilevers, the PNGs, sustainability and circular economy are key pillars of their brand story because that's what consumers are expecting now. So it's awesome to see. So we know that the Climate Change Commission considers the circular economy or the transition to a circular economy really central to New Zealand being able to hit our emissions reductions targets. What do you think is the, the kind of uniquely New Zealand opportunity for the circular economy? This was so awesome to see. You know, like for for many of us working in this space, this was the first high level signal in terms of some major policy change, right? And and we are yet to see it, but it was wonderful to see this released. And probably like the commission, um, 
they saw it in terms of the bioeconomy. So New Zealand has a significant economy based on our primary industries. That's the trees that we grow, you know, our forestry industry, our horticulture, all the products that we produce, you know, from kiwi fruit all the way down, um, as well as our as our agriculture. Right, it's how it's the primary products that we produce, honey, etc. So the opportunity for many of this is we're producing often only one brand or one product out of that raw material. There's a number of waste streams out of that. Aquaculture fisheries is, is you know, the same. So we're, we're producing these, and our goal for New Zealand often is to be able to export them because that's where we can get the highest highest price. So the opportunity for us for the circular economy, very specifically for those primary industries, one, creating more economies off the waste streams from that primary industry because there's nutritional benefits. So we've even got a business that takes the, you know, the muscle waste the shells from the aquaculture industry and crushes them up and feeds them to chickens and the chickens produce high-protein eggs. So those kind of ideas for New Zealand, if we were able to tap into some of those, scale them up, storytell them around the world, massive. That, that is the next revolution and opportunity for our primary industries. And we know that that's what global consumers are wanting. And such a such a, I guess, an evolution of our clean, green image, whatever that is, <laughs> into our point of difference globally. Are you ready to transition your business from linear to circular? Whether you want to design out waste, reduce your emissions, or even explore the nature of your sustainability story, we're here to help. Let our circular innovation partners and design strategists guide you towards extraordinary, innovative outcomes. Our circular projects tackle your biggest challenges, embed circular thinking into your organisation, connects you to solutions that exist and creates them when they don't. For the benefit of your business, customers, communities and stakeholders. To help build capability, unlock new value and co-design an extraordinary future together. Get in touch today and together, let's redesign everything. Head to Circularity So to bring the concept to life a bit, can you tell us about some of the work that you've done with clients? You know, 2020 was a a big year for a a lot of people. We were obviously, like most others, in lockdown during that time. And ironically, my dream project landed on my lap. When I say that, we worked very hard to get it. My my dream project was to create a circular ski hill. And I put, actually put it out there in a radio interview that I did with Jesse Mulligan. <laughs> it was one of his questions that I had on air. And I really love the idea of putting out an idea to the universe and it, you know, it comes back to you. And I thought, it's going to come back to me. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it did of all times last year when we just came out of lockdown. I think we we're in that two and a half point zone of lockdown. And Someone had heard that interview, they they knew uh, someone at, at Cadrona Treblecone and they helped me set up the interviews and we had those very early conversations. So really kicking, you know, so what does a what does a circular regenerative ski hill look like and how do you go about that project? So we ended up going down and really understanding the flows on the hill and also the risk that that hill and and business faced with things like climate change, the cost of waste, things like that, and really saw Cadrona and and both Treble Crone as living systems where a business is operating. So we wanted to understand what the performance of those and health of those living systems were now and into the future. 
So we started uncovering, you know, data around that we're looking at 30 less snow days mm. by 2050. So what sort of effect does that have on a ski hill? Huge, huge cost. Uh, you're manufacturing snow. Has a, you know, has a really big impact. And so when you start to kind of unpack and line up business and environmental dynamics, you start to make really different business decisions. So we just started having, we have this kickoff session at the beginning of all our projects. We had it with Kedroda and Treblecone. We shared this, this data and we looked at all the flows up and down the hill, essentially. People, waste, product, coffee cups, mm. packets of chips. We found out that chocolate wrappers, those little tiny ones that... I too have been guilty at shoving in my child's uh, <laughs> pockets because you, you lose them for the day and off they go and you think they'll have that chocolate bar and if they get buried in snow, they'll find something to eat. Well, we we found out that when the season ends and all the snow melts, guess, guess what's left on the hill? That's the little chocolate wrappers. And it's, it's a designated job of someone to walk up and clean that out. So, you know, you're pulling together all these, these stats and, and information and and flows, but also what's really typical in our projects and what showed up at Cadrona Treblecone was the purpose and culture behind that business. Mm. And that business has some incredible leaders in there. In fact, when we turned up on the first day, Ellie, you might remember this, we had a little cry at the top of the hill because Bridget, who heads up Cadrona Treblecone, shared with us the the Māori values that that business is based on. And we were just, you know, we're at the top of the hill and the sun's setting and and we drove that. So that's typically how a, how a project starts. And then we get right into the nuts and bolts of it. Okay, cool. So what are the numbers of all the waste? What does the waste system look like? What are, what are their customers asking for? Where are the opportunities to design it better? And then you just kick in and start prototyping that. Amazing. And I know that we talk a lot about mindsets and, and changing mindsets and that being a critical enabler for permanent and sustainable change. And I know you work with dozens and dozens of, of team members and clients. What are some of those more kind of human changes that you see in mindset when, when team members go through the process with circularity? Actually, when I did the master's program, it was developed by a woman called Frances Valentine, who's an absolute legend and one of my inspirations, a number of people. She said something very interesting to me. She said, only go through open doors. Mm. When you're starting out... You need those pathways out. And for me, that's mind, mindsets. The open doors is an open mind. So most of our businesses, the mindset's already been opened mm. to a, they want to do something different. There's new breed of businesses that are coming forward that don't want to be doing that other stuff anymore and they, they can't stomach it. Leaders in our country that have built generational wealth through very successful business ventures are saying, we want to create a legacy for the work that we're doing and we're handing it down to our children and we want to create a different way. Um, so those are the kind of mindsets that we tend to start with. And then you just populate that with the how, mm. how to do that, and they're off. We have really focused on that and it's meant like when we launched X Labs, the country's first circular economy lab, where we took, you know, nearly 20 businesses through that. They kind of already had that, yeah, we're going to create change, we're going to do something different. But then you give them the knowledge and whole systems and whole, you know, big businesses have been have been transformed off the back of that. Tell me some more about X Labs. How did you go from, you know, doing client projects and then coming up with X Labs and executing it? 
Yeah. Well, this has always been about scale and pace. Mm. So there's a lot of people in the space toiling away, doing really amazing work, but it's not scaled. Mm. And with scale means we get reduced time, means we get more of a chance to create a better world, right? This is the decade of change. So we've got to, we've got to move fast. There's some big, big things we've got to change. So, you know, I started doing these projects and I was like, oh my goodness, you know, we're still working on this project and I've got more things I want to do. And but I knew the learnings out of it was really good. But essentially, uh, Auckland Tourism Events and Economic Development, now called um, Auckland Unlimited, came and said, hey, we, we've we identified that the, for the Auckland region, we've sort of, you know, I think it was an, a $6.8 billion opportunity to unlock the circular economy, reduce emissions, reduce waste. We want to we wanna put some money behind this. And as the expert, how might you scale the work that you do? Can you design us something that means more businesses can change more people can build capability and we can start getting the circular economy going in Auckland. And so that led to the design and delivery of X-Labs, the country's first circular economy lab. This podcast is delivered to you by Circularity, a circular transformation agency working with a new breed of organisations and change makers to solve the environmental challenges of business as usual. We use circular practices to unlock innovation that is better for both people and the planet. If you're interested in learning more about what we do, head to our website, circularity.co.nz. And something that I love about the work that you do is that it's intimately aligned with Te Ao Māori worldviews and acknowledges that this circular economy is is a fundamental part of Indigenous culture everywhere. It's how, how we used to live, something ancient and innate within us. Can you tell us a bit more about what that means to you and how, how that shows up in the work that you and the team do? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a, a key, unique perspective in New Zealand. Mm. When the Alan MacArthur Foundation did actually come out and run a summit, that they ran a circular economy summit down in Rotorua. It's obviously where you and I met, Alan. Yes. And your Helen Clark red jacket. <laughs> You know, they straight away, when they looked at this country, they went, that's it. That's how you're going to get a circular economy. You're going to tap into a, a Māori word view. There's all this amazing belief system around the interconnected piece of nature. There's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, knowledge and wisdom around resource use. Mm. You know, I've since gone on to um, consult and read papers in this area, and it's so at the heart of our of our circular economy. Kaitiakitanga is its guardianship but it is all about resources and how do we fill the food basket so that when we keep going back with the food basket, it can be refilled and it's abundant. Now, I'm going to go a little bit off script here, but Lou, you're an incredibly brave person and that's something I admire about you the most. For many listeners or even if you're a practitioner or someone that's just starting out in this space, sometimes it can be a bit of a leap and it does take bravery. I wonder if you've got any wise words around bravery or how to show up to the change that you want to see, even if it means taking a leap for you. It's funny, when someone calls you brave, you don't feel brave. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've just reversed psychology. Oh, oh my God, I'm not brave. <laughs> You're um, so brave. Uh, I, I sort of have, I mean, I, I kind of do mantras and, you know, I know when I was going through all of this when it was really tough and I hadn't worked it all out, I was just driven by this one line and I just kept saying it over and over again. And I just kept saying, it's not happening on my watch. Nice. Yeah. I'm here. I'm going to show up. I'm going to ask these questions. And it's going to happen. Those are words to live by, really. 
And why a podcast? So we're here, <laughs> we're starting this incredible podcast, the redesign of everything. Why, why are we doing this? Because <laughs> you made me. <laughs> I kind of always love this idea of a podcast and I've been up on many podcast shows and I've really enjoyed it. You know, like all of this, it's how do I scale the impact? How do I share the work we're doing? When we get into these projects, we're like, you know, I've got my out of office on. I'm like, we're in the field, you know, like we're not coming out for a while. I really wanted to be able to pop my head up out of those projects, share we're, we're on the world stage, we're having interesting conversations, and then I could use those engagements to inspire others. And the inspiration is going to be bountiful. I'm thinking of some of the guests we're going to be having on our show, the likes of Tom Zaki, founder of TerraCycle, many others. We're really looking forward to getting stuck in. Is there anything else that we want to sign off with on our first of many podcast episodes. This is about building a community of change makers. This this first episode, it's a prototype. So we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear what change you're making, what you need. I want this to be designed for those of us that are creating great change, give you a chance to share your stories, but also get really inspired to to go big, go hard, level up. Don't stop at the first no. Open those doors, keep moving. We've got some serious change to happen and it's only going to be made possible if we bring this coalition of the willing together and support each other to to create the redesign of everything. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today and a big thank you to our fantastic team producing the redesign of everything. For more information about Circularity, the work that we do and how we can help your organisation, head to circularity.co.nz or find us on our social media channels listed in the show notes. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. And until next time, let's redesign everything.